Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. I was just flying with a flight attendant, and we're starting our work day, and she's like, another day, another tray. (laughs) Never heard that one before. Another day, another meal tray. So this flight attendant was telling me she was on a layover in Madrid and they had uh, gotten in late, but they had a late sign and you know, they had like 24 hours. A lot of the crew went out and the next day when they were signing in, the first officer wasn't at pickup and they called his room and they called his room again and you know, he wasn't answering the phone. So they asked at the front desk and the manager of the hotel went up to his room, went up to the elevator, came back down and said to the coordinator, the purser, he's like, um, he did. And she's like, excuse me? He's like, he dead. She's like, what are you saying? And he's like, he dead. And she was like, I, you know, I'm not accepting that. I, I want to go up, you know, to the room and see what's going on myself. So they go up to the room and he was, he was unconscious, but apparently most likely he was drugged. You know, that happens. I don't want to say often, but I know at least a half a dozen times, male flight attendants and pilots, you know, men just don't think of themselves as a victim and somebody puts something in your drink, they end up taking your wallet and, uh, I'm, it scares the bejesus out of me because I travel alone. So I'm very, very conscious of my surroundings and who I'm around. And uh, but I just don't think men think of themselves as victims. But can you imagine what all goes on in hotel rooms that that hotel manager could be so, you know, blasé? Oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> Goodness gracious. The music for this episode, I was in Lagos, Nigeria, and we couldn't leave the hotel, but luckily at the hotel they had live music, a local band, and it was actually quite festive, um, sitting under like a cabana listening to local music in Africa. It's quite nice. Everybody, nobody likes that trip because there is a big threat of malaria and it isn't safe and you're not allowed to leave the hotel. So I had such low expectations, but sometimes when you have low expectations, <laughs> you're pleasantly surprised. And uh, I thought it was kind of nice and relaxing and uh, I enjoyed the local music hope you do too I just had the most fantastic work trip to Rome I know I've been a flight attendant for a long time and I should probably be blase Uh, I should be oh yeah another Rome trip but you know it doesn't feel that way to me and I haven't been flying international that long and the fact that someone would pay me to go spend the day in Rome is just mind-blowing. I mean, it's just fantastic. I had I had the most lovely day. I was going around from old church to old church and putting my feet in the in the fountains and having some gelato. And it's just so beautiful. And I've actually been writing a fictional book. Um, and it's going quite well. And it's really inspiring to sit in some old churches and write. So that's been fun. So anyway... The story on that Rome trip is that, you know, passengers are always behaving badly. You know, they they drink too much. They take things they shouldn't. And uh, 
when we're going someplace fun like Rome, we're very motivated to get off the plane. You know, uh, we're very excited to be there. And so this passenger was still sitting there after everybody else had been off the plane. So the flight attendant who was coming up from the back was like, you know, come on, time to go. We're here. You know, it's Rome. And uh, he's just sitting there and she's thinking to herself, you know, okay, time to go. Let's get a move on. (laughs) But she's trying to be nice. And then the wife comes back and says, you know, he's had a lot to drink and he may have taken a sedative. And uh, the flight attendant being motivated is like, um, actually, I was just further up because I had worked in business class, but I can see her. She's like, well, why don't you stand up and I'll take your hands and I'll help you get off the plane? Because once they're off the plane, it's not our deal. Right. So she wants to get him off the plane. So I can see her. She gets up. She's being so nice. And she's standing backwards. She takes both of his hands and they both start walking her backwards, him forward towards the front door. So she's a Italian speaker. And I wish I could say it in Italian because I I didn't know what she said, but she told us what she said later. But the agent had come on at this point to see why, you know, who was holding things up. And his name was Vincenzo. And she's like, Vincenzo, (laughs) the bird is coming out of the cage because as she was walking backwards, she looked down, his fly was open and his private parts were making an appearance. (laughs) She's like, Vincenzo, the bird is coming out of the cage. She dropped his hands, (laughs) basically dropped her involvement with him. And, you know, the agent had to help him the rest of the way off the plane. Actually, then I could see the wife trying to reach around to put things back in. But, you know, we don't don't have to deal with uh, birds coming out of the cage. Vincenzo. So I now commute to work, so um, sometimes I just non-rev, you know, I just sit as a passenger, but other times I need to sit on the jump seat, and I usually uh, wear my uniform, it's just easier to get through security and everything, so I'm in my uniform, and I'm jump seating, so I'm not working the flight, but I'm sitting, you know, in a jump seat, so passengers, you know, would have no reason to know that I'm not getting paid, or that I'm not working, so, you know, if somebody asks me for something, I usually just get it for them, because it's, you know, you know, like saying it's not my table (laughs) I'm not working today um so I was sitting it was totally full flight that's why I couldn't get a seat and there was a mother and two kids in the last row and we're sitting back in the jump seat and I was uh the girl who was working the flight I've been flying like three weeks we have new hire she was a cute little Asian girl um looked like she had a great work ethic but lots of times when you're new you don't know stuff you know you don't you don't move quite as fast as someone who's been around a long time. <laughs> so I'm sitting on the jump seat and uh, the mother and the two kids, the kid starts going like, ah, ah, and he's put his hands up, up and I'm thinking, what's going on? And I undo my jump seat, my seatbelt. She's still sitting there. And he's like, ah. So I'm like, what, what's going on? He's like, something's dripping on me. It's wet it's something and he's like I think it's soap it's soap so I opened the overhead bin above him and I look and we have a bag of bathroom supplies back there because it's right by the bathrooms right where our seat is and they're in the last row and uh I said oh somebody must have put something up here you know and and so I got a blanket and you know I'm wiping it off and I'm helping wipe him off I get some paper towels she's still strapped in I'm thinking you know (laughs) you're the one working here (laughs) I didn't say that you think it but I wasn't saying it and uh he stood up and I was trying to help him clean up and and he's like um has this ever happened before and you know he was cute he was probably eight I don't know and I said uh everything's happened before and I didn't even realize you know what I said or how he'd take it and he goes really <laughs> like it was a life truth or something <laughs> and actually really it is you know everything's happened before 
So you've heard me talking about passengers peeing on the airplane. Uh, remember the congressman that peed on the galley floor or the passenger that peed in the flight attendant's bag near her jump seat? It's always shocking that people do such a thing, but it usually doesn't make the news. Anderson Cooper 360, CNN, Eastern. Time now for The Ridiculous, and tonight we're adding Gerard Depardieu, noted French actor, Academy Award nominee, public urinator. That's right, I said urinator. Last night on a flight from Paris to Dublin, Depardieu reportedly peed on the floor. Apparently the plane was on the tarmac, and the flight attendant told him he'd have to wait to use the bathroom until takeoff. So Depardieu created his own little jet stream, or as the French would say, oui oui. When I first heard the story this morning, I thought there was no way it was real. But the airline CityJet confirmed it beyond any shadow of skepticism. And by that, I mean they vaguely tweeted about it. Quote, as you may have seen on the news, we are busy mopping the floor of one of our planes this morning. We'd also like to remind all passengers that our planes are fully equipped with toilet facilities. Hmm, CityJet. I would have guessed he flies incontinental. Incontinental. Anyway, while the airline was busy putting the pee back in PR, some of the passengers just couldn't hold it anymore and started spilling their versions of the incident to the press. Can you blame them? They saw an actual thespian actually thespian. This, this, oh, it's full of puns. This probably won't come as a shock, but several passengers say Depardieu was, you guessed it, visibly drunk. But I think there's another explanation. See, as a celebrity, he's not accustomed to being told he can't do things he wants to do when he wants to do them. Things like going to the bathroom. No, he's probably used to being, you know, pampered. Uh, I'd go as far as to say he depends on it. Put a graphic in case you didn't get the reference. Depends on it. But it's kind of sad when you think about it. This guy has been in hundreds of movies. Will he be remembered for Cyrano de Bergerac? Probably not. Will he be remembered for Green Card? Mm, Nope. This, in is, this incident is likely to go down as his number one role. Although there is a bright side. <laughs> Stop laughing, it's distracting. <laughs> now that we know he doesn't have any stage fright when it comes to public urination, maybe he can get together with his fellow castmates from La Vienna Rose and they can all have a pissing contest. You know, like a, a pee-off. Pee-off, this movie was about Edith Pee-off. said pee-off. So after Gerard took his little solo flight to urination, the plane had to turn around and go back to the gate, and some unlucky cleaning crew had to deal with the Golden Globe winning tinkle. Now, all I can say is they should thank their lucky stars it wasn't Depart 2. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that made me giggle every time I read it. He hasn't commented on this incident. <laughs> Depart 2... I know you got it, but. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> sorry, this is actually never happened to me. <laughs> See this sort of thing on YouTube, and you don't think. <laughs> All right. Sorry. All right. He hasn't commented on the incident, but if I know the European celebrity spin machine, and I think I do, 
There will probably be some excuse like he was doing research for a movie role. As we speak, I bet somewhere in Paris, a screenwriter is furiously typing out a period piece about the potty training misadventures of an overgrown, drunk French two-year-old. His entourage reportedly says that he wasn't drunk and he just tried to discreetly pee in a bottle, but I'm not sure that version holds water. In any case, Gerard, chin up. Yes, this incident was in all the papers, but it's nothing but yellow journalism, and soon it will be flushed from our memories. So just go with the flow on the ridiculous. All those years, no technical difficulties. And now, I don't know, for some reason, I keep having these problems. You know, I got a new microphone and a new cord. And then all the stories I recorded, I'll actually give you an example. They sounded like this. Because I guess the microphone wasn't plugged in all the way. I don't know, but they're all so low, you can't hear them. And then if I try to amplify them, you get so much background noise, it's just like impossible to listen to. It sounds like this. So anyway, it's frustrating because I had stories from other people and uh, they're unusable again. So I was just uh, on a flight to Rome, and it was before the passengers had started boarding. And ever since 9-11, we're real serious about security. That's no surprise to anyone. And we as employees are supposed to challenge other employees if we don't have our ID on, just to make sure that there aren't any you know, non-employees where they're not supposed to be. So basically, if we see someone and we can't see their ID, we're supposed to ask them, you know, do you have your ID? Where's your ID? And... You know, it's just a a way to keep people out of secure areas. So we hadn't started boarding, and the female pilot was going on the jetway, and she sees an employee, and what she thinks is another employee, and she doesn't see his ID. So she says to him, "Uh, you know, do you have your ID? And it was Chris Rock. (laughs) He was coming down with, you know, like a handler, and they were bringing him down before the passengers as a courtesy. She didn't recognize him. She asked him for his ID, which he, of course, I'm sure had no idea what she was talking about. I can just, he'll probably do a thing later, you know, ID? What do I need, you know, they don't think I'm old enough to drink and am I drinking in the jetway? You know, I'm sure he probably had no idea that she meant an employee ID because why in the world would he think that? And the female pilot was like, oh my gosh, it's Chris Rock. On that same Nigeria trip, one of the guys had was telling me the story, and I wanted him to do it on the recorder, but he didn't like his accent. I thought he had a fantastic southern accent. I thought it was really cute, but he's self-conscious of his accent. But he was telling me the story that a few months ago, he was on a flight to Lima, and this pregnant woman got on, and she told him at the beginning of the flight she was three months pregnant, or the agent had told him she was three months pregnant. You know, no problem. Uh, they're in flight, and she comes back to the galley, and uh, she's like holding her stomach. And now she's saying she's five months pregnant. And now the next thing you know, her water breaks. And then she says, oh, I'm eight months pregnant. <laughs> her water breaks in the galley, which is terrifying if you're a flight attendant or terrifying if you're any non-physician <laughs> nurse. I, mean, I don't, you know, I don't know nothing about birth and no babies. <laughs> I mean, he said they paged for a doctor, uh, nurse, nothing. I mean, Almost always when we page for a medical professional, someone comes forward. But this day, when the lady just had her water break in the galley, 
no doctor, no nurse. It's up to them. He said they got covered and we have like, you know, gloves and gowns. He's like, they're covered. And, and he said, oh, there was just like fluids everywhere. They just put her on the floor in the galley. And uh, they actually delivered the baby. And he was saying how he was, uh, he was sort of traumatized by all the goo. <laughs> he said later when he was in the crew van after it was all said and done, the other flight attendant was like, you kept saying, don't get that shit on me. Don't get that shit on me. He said he couldn't even remember saying, he didn't even remember any of that. <laughs> but like the one flight attendant, you know, when a baby, they, have, they can't breathe because they've got mucus or some other kind of fluids, Lord only knows, in their mouth. So she had to like put her finger in there, you know, to, uh, but they actually delivered the baby. They successfully, uh, did it. They both seemed okay, the mother and the baby. Um, they just laid them in the galley for landing and they had been trying to like mop up all the stuff with um, blankets and <laughs> paper towels from the bathroom. And I was thinking, oh, and he said, actually, this was not his first delivery. He had actually, this is the second time he had had to deliver a baby on the airplane. Ooh. Did you guys hear about that bat on the airplane? I don't know how in the world a bat got on the airplane, but they had a bat on the airplane that started flying around. Somebody had a cell phone or one of those flip video phones. I don't know, but they, video cameras, they they filmed that bat flying around. Everybody was like, ah, ah. Some people were laughing. Some people were screaming. And the gut one guy was like, let it go in the bathroom. Let it go in the bathroom. There's actually video of it. I'll play you the audio of the video, but I also put a link to the video of the bat on the airplane on my website. always been impressed with the lengths that flight attendants will go to to cook on the road. Like most of you at your job, you probably have sort of some sort of kitchen, kitchenette, at least a refrigerator at work. A lot of people work at home. And a lot of people also have access to say, like food trucks or fast food. And uh, there are places when we're traveling, I just did a Lagos, Nigeria trip. And boy, that was a interesting trip. <laughs> it's very dangerous there. And um, there's a big threat of malaria. And we're not allowed to leave the hotel. That's how dangerous it is. We actually had, um, I've never had the privilege of having armed guards and sirens escort my vehicle to the hotel. But that's what they do there on a daily basis. We had our vehicle with the crew was in and there were three armed lights flashing um, <laughs> vehicles accompanying our vehicle. They actually would cut off traffic so that we could get by to to get into our hotel. And then we're not allowed to leave the hotel because um, our airline doesn't want to take the liability because um, it's very dangerous there. But because we're not allowed to leave the hotel, and it's a kind of an expensive hotel, which I'm glad because it was a nice hotel, uh, a lot of flight attendants try to save money. They bring their own food. And as long as I've been flying, flight attendants have been figuring out ways to cook food in hotel rooms. And it is just shocking the lengths that they will go to. It used to always be, historically, the main instrument they would use to cook in their hotel room was the hotel coffee maker. Uh, we had in our contract that there used to have to be a coffee maker in the room. And they would uh, use the little 
hot pad to heat up things. And they would also try it once. They're like, you can steam something if you pour water right onto the hot pad of the coffee maker. <laughs> and then, of course, they would make like instant oatmeal and things you can make with the hot water. But now... Most hotels have gone to the single cup coffee makers because they don't have to have a coffee craft or a hot a hot plate. So that's basically foiled all the top chef hotel room cookers out there. <laughs> they didn't have anything to use. So the other problem with uh, not just the coffee maker is most hotels we stay at don't have a refrigerator. So you got to keep it cold. So flight attendants are carrying around coolers and they're insulated and they're always getting you know, bags of ice to put on there that gets wet. Um, try to get dry ice from the plane. And if, if you don't have something like that, I've tried it before. I've never been very good at this. All so much trouble. You could put ice there. Like you, you take you take the, the uh, trash can in the room and you put ice on it. Then you put your food. Then you put ice on top. And I'm like, I don't really want to put the food in the trash can. <laughs> They're like, then you put it in the sink. You put the food in the sink. Then you put the ice on top. But when I've ever tried that, I wake up and the ice is all melted, and then I'm afraid of the food. It hasn't been cold. But, okay, so the refrigeration has always been a problem. But the new problem now is there's no coffee maker, so there's no way to heat the food in the room. It would be nice if there were microwaves, so most of the times there's no microwave. So this is what they're doing now. I just learned this on that trip to Nigeria. Two, not one, but two of the flight attendants had skillets in their bags. Skillets. They go to camping stores and they buy an electric skillet. One guy was like, yeah, I make eggs and pancakes. The other guy's like, I make green beans and chicken. And I, and the other one guy was like, oh, I don't just have a skillet. I have a hot plate and a skillet. I'm like, a hot plate and a skillet? He's like, I'm like, why can't you just use a skillet if you want to heat something up? He's like, well, sometimes I want to have two items so I can be, I can be heating up a can of green beans and then cooking the chicken in the skillet. <laughs> It's like blowing my mind. I don't have that much room in my suitcase to be carrying around a kitchen. <laughs> and there were, there, were, there were two guys with skillets. And there was another guy on the trip is like, yeah, I'm going to go get one of those skillets. Uh, so there would have been three people on one trip carrying skillets. So weird. I got to thank you guys for going to Amazon whenever you're going to buy something and clicking through my site where the link for my book is, um, the Amazon link, because you guys have been doing it. It's been fantastic. I mean, uh, I've tried so many different times to monetize this podcast, been extremely unsuccessful. And this is the first thing that actually is working. I'm not really asking you to buy anything. It's just that if you're going to buy something on Amazon anyway, if you click through the link on my site, the, the link for my book, you don't have to buy my book. And uh, if you're going to buy something anyway, I get a little percentage. It's fantastic. This month, I look a lot because it's kind of fun for me. It's like, oh, look, somebody, I think there were two different cameras and a juicer. And it's like, woohoo. And then, you know, DVDs and books. And it's like, thank you so much for clicking through my site when you go to Amazon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, passengers have a, sometimes an odd concept of how much time we have. I was uh, on an international flight and I was in business class and, you know, there's hot nuts and, you know, hot towels and appetizers and soups and salads and entrees and dessert and fruit and cheese. I mean, it's a big rigmarole. And so he calls me over and I was thinking he wanted more wine or something. And he's like, uh, there's a moth in here. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I just went went going, you know, about my business. He called me over again, and he's like, you need to catch the moth. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's not that easy. And, you know, it was like over by his window, and I, I 
I basically wanted to say, um, hey, I don't have time for moth catching. <laughs> you know, I've got a lot to do here. <laughs> but you really can't say that to a business class passenger. And I, I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> okay, I'll get right on that moth catching. Anyone ever notice the similarities in the two names, Chris Hansen and Chris Harrison? One of them hosts The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. The other one hosts To Catch a Predator. (laughs) They both wear suits. They're both TV show, reality TV show hosts. Um, I'm sure most of you know what The Bachelor and The Bachelorette is. And To Catch a Predator isn't on anymore, but it used to be, you know, they'd catch pedophiles. So they'd they'd be online and they'd pretend like they were underage. And then the guy would go meet the girl to be like, you want some sweet tea? And then... Chris Hansen would come out and say, you know, basically say you're caught and the guy'd be sweating and the predator would be upset. And then he'd go, you're free to go, which was the best part because the guy's thinking like, I'm off the hook. Really? Wow. You know, I I thought this was going to be bad. And then he gets up to leave. He gets out the door. Next thing you know, he's tackled by like the Long Beach PD. But I think it would be so funny (laughs) Somebody would do a skit. It could be similar instead of Chris Hansen, this time Chris Harrison, because I think sometimes on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, they're also feeling a little trapped, a little caught. (laughs) You know, I bet you they would like Chris Harrison to say, just like Chris Hansen says, you're free to go. (laughs) Next thing you know, they get up, they, they, they leave the engagement ceremony only to be tackled by Vienna saying, you said you loved me in the fantasy suite. (laughs) I just do think that it's funny, the similarities between Chris Hansen, Chris Harrison, To Catch a Predator, and The Bachelor. So I also just did a trip to Dubai. It was my first time to the United Arab Emirates. And that was an interesting trip. (laughs) I had been looking forward to it. I love going to a place I haven't been before. But it is Ramadan there. And I'm sure some of you are very familiar with Ramadan and others of you aren't. You know, it's it's the Muslim holiday where they, for one month out of the year, they fast. No food or drink during daylight hours for a month. So... I think that's probably why I got the trip because I'm kind of junior and I think people didn't want it because a lot of things are closed and, uh, you know, like you go to a coffee shop and there's a sign outside that says like, due to Ramadan, we are only open from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. And you're thinking, okay, that's when I want coffee. <laughs> well, first of all, on the flight over, I'm in business class and working business class and there's a guy up there. I mean, I'm going to an Arab country And of course, there were people in all kind of interesting dress, you know, the whole headdresses and things. But you know, that's, I'm I'm totally cool with anything like that. But this guy in business class put a pillowcase that he brought himself, it wasn't from the airplane, a dark pillowcase over his head while he was sleeping. He looked like he was ready for the gallows, like or someone to behead him. It was like, every time I walked by there, I was kind of like, Whoa. he just gave me the creeps. I don't know. I don't know how that was comfortable for him. It was very odd. 
<laughs> but then on the layover, I did something really stupid. I, I do stupid things, but I, I try not to beat myself up too much about it because on the way over, I didn't do that much on the layover because so many things were closed because of Ramadan and the Arab speakers on the way over it got me nervous because I've been to Arab countries and I've actually been to Arab countries during Ramadan but I guess it's you know each of them have their own strictness and how much the government gets involved and apparently in Dubai if you get caught eating or drinking outside during Ramadan during the day it's like six months in jail like for drinking water I was afraid if I went walking somewhere I always carry a little bottle of water I was afraid I'd forget you know, it's so hot out. I might drink water. I got a little nervous. <laughs> so anyway, I it's a 10-hour time change. And I got up and I have a bit of a coffee addiction. And I didn't know there wasn't going to be a coffee maker in the room. There was no coffee maker in the room. And I'm up at like six o'clock. And I'm up, you know, it's I'm awake. And I'm not feeling that great, probably because the time change, I need some coffee. And I told you like the the I couldn't find a coffee shop open now because it's past 5 a.m. <laughs> and I decided there was in our hotel one restaurant open but it had like blackout curtains because you have to like kind of hide if you're going to eat. So I decided to go ahead and go to the restaurant. I hardly ever go to a restaurant and hotel because it is more expensive and you know I try to save my money but there was a grocery store nearby but it wasn't going to open until nine. So it was now probably like a good two hours and I just couldn't wait that long for a cup of coffee. So I I go through the blackout curtains and go in to the buffet breakfast at the hotel that we stay at. And it was the strangest buffet. It had, first thing I noticed was marshmallows and gummy bears for breakfast. <laughs> then there was like, you know, canned baked beans. It was, the food was not good. I, I basically didn't eat hardly anything. I basically had coffee and some juice and a little bit of, the eggs were weird too. Everything was just a little strange. And then I get the bill and I wasn't sure with the conversion how much it was going to be. Uh, I worked it out. It was like $40. $40 for some uh, marshmallows and gummy bears and baked beans. <laughs> you can see why I don't go to the hotel restaurants that often. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. I'm about to go out electric skillet shopping on Amazon. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Sorry. <laughs> that made me giggle every time I read it. He hasn't commented on this incident. <laughs> Depot 2. I know you got it, but. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> sorry, this is actually never happened to me.